a sermon ready today, and it was going to be really long, and so I shortened it some. I did notice that the Eger kids brought books and I think a Rubik's Cube, um, so, which is better than going to sleep, right? So, well, I don't know. Glenn could tell you that one. I don't know, but um, I'm excited to be with you today. We're going to get into some stuff. So I want to tell you a few things about the way that I think um, when I preach and when I teach. And, you know, there, there are different uh, philosophies. I don't know if I'd say that. I'd say there are different styles that have to do with different people and their skills. Um, and so, and what God's called them to do and all that kind of stuff. For me, I have this just very serious belief that you are smart. I do. I believe that you're smart. I have a very high view of who you are because I know that you were made in the image and likeness of God. And I know that those of us who are in Christ have the mind of Christ. And I know that you have the ability to understand things that are a relatively complex level. And so that's kind of the reason I teach the way that I do. Sometimes it's long. Sometimes it's boring, um, I've been told. Sometimes, mostly by Tiffany, my wife. Um, sometimes it's complicated. But I believe that we can learn these things together. I really do. And, and so, but, but here's the thing about that. It doesn't mean that it's not hard. Just because you're smart doesn't mean that learning isn't hard. It is hard. There's a lot of work that goes into knowing things, knowing the scriptures, right? Knowing things that are important, thinking well. There's a lot of work that has to go into that. If you've ever had a Big Mac, and I can tell that some of you have. <laughs> Obviously, I've had my share of Big Macs, you know. This, this illustration didn't come from nowhere, you know what I mean? Um, they're pretty easy to get. They're relatively low cost, you can get them fast, and they taste pretty good. You know, some of you may not think so, but you know, you could be wrong. Um, thinking is not like a Big Mac, okay? Um, you're probably not gonna be strong and healthy if all you eat is Big Macs. I mean, obviously I'm the exception to that, but. <clears throat> but thinking is like that. There are a lot of people who are happy to tell you what they think you should think, what they think you should believe. And they will do it fast and they will do it cheap. Just a meme, right? Or a tweet, two-minute YouTube video, whatever it happens to be, right? Something on your Facebook feed, social media, whatever it is. It's quick, it's cheap, and they'll tell you exactly what they want you to think. But just because it's fast, cheap, easy to digest, easy to understand, doesn't mean that it's true. And you will not become a strong thinker by a lot of intake of fast and cheap. But that's where we're going, kind of as a society. Give it to me now, give it to me fast, give it to me cheap, give it to me easy, because that's the way I get everything else. You know, you know how it is. We've talked about this many times. Back in the day when I was young, which was in, it was a long time ago, and... <laughs> I had to know something. I, I remember making bets, not that that's a good thing to do, but I remember making bets um, about like what, some, you know, what this baseball player did such and such. Well, the only way to know that was to like go and find a book on baseball and find the thing, or if you happen to have their card or something like that. There was no, hey Siri, right? And so it was a lot harder, but now it's not. Now you can get any information, not very good quality, but any information you want pretty quickly. And so we have lost maybe the desire, and, and I've got myself in this too, maybe the work ethic when it comes to thinking. We really have. Uh, and so you need to know that it takes work, it takes patience, and it takes the power of the Holy Spirit to gain real understanding of real truth. You gotta have at least those three ingredients. Patience, hard work, and the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not something that's gonna happen really fast. But we don't seem to have the patience for it in our culture, but you know what? We ought to do it anyway. We ought to do the work. I didn't used to like to eat a lot of vegetables. Now I do. I have at least one a year. <laughs> French fries are a vegetable, right? right? That's probably not a good example. Um, but there are things that seem difficult at the time, but you do them and you start to like them and the payoff starts to get there eventually, right? You work hard, you do it for a long time, and before you know it, you've learned a new thing, or you've accomplished something, or you've graduated from school, or you've done whatever. At first, it may seem difficult. It may seem hard. You may not want to do it. But the payoff is well worth every moment, every bit of sweat. That's the way it is. Thinking and learning and growing are like that. You're not going to find a mature Christian woman or a mature Christian man 
that has not put in the time, the effort, the energy, the, the humility. That's a big one, right? Learning, growing, learning, growing, learning, growing. And what's really happened, as we've talked about before, is Christ is transforming us. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. And so that process is going on, but we get to take part in it by working. Now, I'm telling you all this um, because this series is important that we're in. But in order to really understand the things that we're going through, you may have to watch it more than once. That's why we record these things. It's not because I think I look great on video. You may have to watch it again. You may have to watch it several times. You may not get it on the first try. You may have to take notes. You will need to work hard. If you don't work hard, no matter how smart you are, and you are smart, you were made in the image and likeness of God, but no matter how smart you are, you're not going to learn if you don't work hard. So I just want you to be aware of that because I know that what happens with some of these, these kinds of messages and these kinds of series is people are kind of like, why are we talking about this? This is not as fun as, as kind of when you get up there and sort of yell and run around and do that thing. This is a little bit more kind of thinky and I don't like that as much. And um, you know what? We need it. We need it. Um, so we're studying the scriptures as we always do. And the falsehoods and half-truths that are being pushed to you and your families, your children, your sister, your brother, your husband, your wife, in this culture, in this world. That's what we're working on right now. And we do this for the Christ follower to build you up in Christ. For those of you who do not know Jesus Christ, we do it so the Lord will rescue you from the lies that you're believing. You have to put away your pride to learn. Believer or unbeliever, I don't care who you are. If you already think you know everything, you're not going to listen much and learn much. When things push up against you, sometimes that's how you know it's true. Because we know where our hearts are so often. So you've got to put your pride away a little bit. What's important is this. I want you to know this, and this is a fundamental of the Christian faith. There is a truth, and you can know it. There is a truth, and you can know it. This is like the total opposite of sort of post-modernity, post-Christian culture is the idea that Christianity has always had that there is a truth, that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and that we can know him, and that we can know truth, and they can set us free. So you got to come into this with that understanding. I also want you to know this. There are false teachers in the world, and there are some in the church, hopefully not in this church. Let's read from the book of 2 Peter. By the way, there are Bibles in front of you if you want a paper Bible, which some people like that. If you don't have a Bible at home, take one of those home with you. That's our gift to you this morning. Um, you don't need to put anything in the offering for that. That's just yours. Um, but put a lot in the offering anyway because okay, you don't have to do that. Um, all right. We're in 2 Peter chapter 2. We're going to read the first three verses. And then you can stay there because we're going to read another passage from the next page over. So. But there were also false prophets among the people. Even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not slumber. There are people... And there have been people for a very long time who bring in what the scripture calls destructive heresies. Okay, think about it like this. They cause divisions in the body by teaching false teachings and leading people away into false teachings. These people are not just out there in the world. Of course, all of them, the unspiritual person doesn't know anything. But these people come into the church and bring these heresies. There are people who will lie to you. There are people who don't want to be obedient to God. You need to understand that. So they will make God into what they want him to be. To serve them. Rather than them to serve him. There are people who think they're too smart for God. And these people will speak falsely. And these people will twist the truth. And you need to be able to defend against their lies. As a believer. You've got to be strong. You've got to do the work so that when you hear it, because I can't tell you about every false heresy that will ever come around, you have to be ready. You have to know the word so that when you hear it from anybody, including me, if I say something that you should have the scripture, you're like, uh-uh. 
Nope, that's not what the scripture says. You should be ready for that. Because there are people, I, I pray to God I will never be one of them, but there are people who will teach you falsely. It's not a game. This is really important. Christianity, the word of God, is not a game. The word of God is not to be played with and twisted uh, to suit sort of your desires and to sort of make you fit in. That's what false teachers do. And there is punishment for those who do that. It's severe. It's serious. God doesn't pull any punches about what's going to happen when you come in and you teach false heresies. So we have to be diligent and we have to be alert so we don't get taken in by these false teachers because we will get taken in if we're not willing to put in the work to know the scriptures and to think well. There are very smart people. This is really, really something you should take into your mind. There are very smart people who have been fooled by these kinds of heresies and false teachings. It's not an issue of intelligence. It's really an issue of the heart, and it's an issue of how well you have taught your mind to think. How much you have allowed God to transform your mind as he's transforming you. Now, in the next chapter in 2 Peter there, chapter 3, we're going to read verses 14 through 18. I want you to listen to this. It says, Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot and blameless, and consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. As also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the scriptures. You, though, therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware, lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. There are several things to take from this passage. One, right out of the gate, we have to be diligent. You know what diligence is? It means you've got to work hard. One of the biggest things that attorneys get in trouble for with, with like the bar association where they get bar complaints is a failure. It was one of the first, I think it's rule one, one. Diligently represent your client. That means you got to call them back when they call, right? You got you to make sure you're pushing things forward. And if you don't, and it's hard to do because you got a lot of cases, you got a lot of people you're dealing with, it's hard to be diligent. Some attorneys get themselves in big trouble by not being diligent enough. Being diligent means I'm on the ball. I'm not letting things, I'm not taking a vacation from Jesus or from the scripture, which I'm going to be honest, I do sometimes. You know, I have those days. And it's like, you know what? I have not been effectively, diligently thinking about the Lord today and what he's trying to teach me. We got to be like that every day. Diligence. You got to be diligent. The next thing he says is there are some things in scripture which are hard to understand. You probably knew that. But I think some people want Christianity to be super simple. And there are some very simple things about the gospel. Sinners saved by grace through faith, right? We're, we're reconciled to God. Those things are relatively simple, although incredibly deep. But there are a lot of things in Scripture that are hard. Now, there's something implied in that statement when he says it's hard. It means that in order to understand them, you're going to have to be diligent and work. If you want to understand hard things, you've got to do hard work. So, this leads to the next point. Untaught and unstable people twist the scriptures. Untaught and unstable, okay? Which means you need to be being taught, and you probably need to be being taught in order to be stable. If you give a five-year-old, like a skill saw, I don't recommend trying it, but you probably won't like the result. Why? Because he's five years old, and he's untaught, and he's unstable. And he's going to do some damage. He's going to do some damage. You must approach the scriptures with humility and a willingness to be taught and to have good teachers, or you'll end up being unstable. And you'll end up twisting them. you got to know how to interpret the scriptures, how to read the scriptures. 
This isn't just something for pastors and elders and folks like that. This is for every Christ follower. You've got to be taught if you want to be stable. You've got to be taught and stable if you don't want to end up twisting the scriptures to suit your own evil desires. Again, the scriptures are God's holy word. They're wonderful. And they're there to reveal the truth to us. But they are not a game. They are to be taken very seriously. You don't just throw it around, right? Oh, this verse says this, and the verse says this, so I must be, might be able to do this, or I should be able to do that. No, you've got to know it. You've got to know it. You've got to be taught. Next, we're told that we know about those who will twist Scripture beforehand. You know how you know? Because I just told you. Because Peter told us. Because the Holy Spirit through Peter told us, right? We have been told that there will be these people. So if you know... If we knew that someone's kind of like in the Bible, if you know the robber's coming, you're going to be ready, right? You're going, to, you're going to be waiting. You're going to be ready to defend yourself against the robber. Well, he's told us the false teachers are coming, so we've got to be ready. We've got to be ready. How do you get ready? Well, just like we've said this whole time, you've got to put in the work, the real work. It's more than just sitting here on a Sunday morning, which I'm glad that each one of you is here and online. That's fantastic. But it's more than that. It's work. You've got to wake up thinking it, you got to think about it throughout the day, you got to go to bed thinking about it. All right, we got to apply the mind of Christ to everything. Then we're told to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We grow in grace, understanding that grace has been given to us, which is amazing. And when you think about the grace that's given to you, it's so much easier to have grace for other people, right? Sometimes you get upset and you think, you know... God's given me a lot of grace on that issue. My wife and I were talking about that last night. We were upset about, I was upset about something or the way people do something. So I have a couple of friends that they only call me when they're in terrible trouble, right? I never hear from them. Two years later, hey, how are you doing? What's wrong? Right? And then I said to myself, isn't that what we do to God? I'm sitting here upset about this guy, but how many of us are only coming in earnestness to God when things are going wrong? So I can't get too upset about it, or that's not showing much grace. I just blocked their numbers. Anyway, so we... (laughs) I didn't do that. We grow in grace, and we grow in knowledge. Knowledge, okay? As we follow him, we become more like him, more gracious, more knowledgeable. means we have to know him through prayer, through the scriptures, through teaching, through talking about it, we got to do it. So we're in a series called White Lies, as you can see back behind me here. We're working through several false teachings, okay? I don't know how long this series is going to last, to be honest with you, because I thought that this sermon was going to be a bunch of stuff, and it's going to be at least two just to get the introduction to progressive Christianity for you. So, and then we're going to have to work through it all. So we've got, we've got a ways to go. Yay! Um, <laughs> you excited as I am about it? All right, good. Uh, <laughs> we're working through some false teachings that are very prevalent in the world today and that are leading people astray. So we have to take this seriously. We have to take this soberly uh, because they, there are lies and they are real and they are leading people into death. That's the bottom line. When you lead people away from Jesus Christ's church, you lead them into death. That's all there is to it. The protection, the comfort, the peace that passes understanding, all of that stuff, these are things that God is mediating to us through his church, through you, through me, through all of us, when you pull people away from that and make them go another way and change who Jesus is and change what the scripture says, it's bad. It's bad. It's this very serious thing. So today, um, as we are working to protect the gospel and to know how to protect the gospel, we're going to talk about progressive Christianity. So what is progressive Christianity? It's a lot of stuff. Uh, I'm going to try to work through some of it. Everyone wants to be liked, right? I mean, I think most people want to be liked, and I think most people want to think of themselves as a nice person, being nice to other people. People don't want to be thought of as jerks. Most people don't want to be thought of as jerks. Um, You want to fit in with others. You want to get along. I do too. When I can, I want to get along. I would rather people liked me than didn't like me, kind of like I'd rather be, you know, rich and healthy than poor and sick. Um, Pretty obvious, right? Those are are obvious things. I'd, I'd like people to like me, but there are some times when I can't have everybody like me. And for those times when I can't, that means that getting along 
in that context is asking me to go against truth. And so there's this, there's this dividing line for me where I want to get along. I, you know, I try to be a pretty, pretty nice guy most of the time. Kind, I'd say more than nice. Um, nice isn't really my thing, but kindness. I, I want to be a pretty kind guy. I, I, I want to I have friendships. I want to get to know people and so on. But there, there is this dividing line. And that dividing line is if that friendship or that relationship requires me to compromise truth, that's where it ends. That's where I'm happy to be friends with you, but I will not compromise. This is kind of like the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stuff, right? I'm not going to bow down in order to maintain this relationship. I will not do that. And so when I can't get along, hopefully, usually it's because I'm going to obey God rather than men. So here's the truth, okay? This is, and this is important for you to, to just soak up in your heart, body, soul, spirit. Just know this. If you're a Christ follower, God has accepted you. God has accepted you through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross and his glorious resurrection. I've been accepted. If you're a Christ follower, you've been accepted. Now, if you've been accepted by God, acceptance by other people comes second, more like hundredth. No matter who it is, your own spouse, your own kids, your own whatever, nothing compares to the glory of Jesus Christ, nothing compares to our acceptance in him. If you have that and you're strong in that, it's going to be real hard for somebody to pull you away from that to get their piddly acceptance. Let me just tell you, my acceptance is worthless to you in comparison to God's. There is nothing. There is nothing more important than God's acceptance. And so that's part of what we use to be strong when we're being asked to get along and go along rather than to stand for truth. Now, that doesn't mean you need to be a jerk about it. You want to do everything in love, but there are times when you just can't get along. Progressive Christianity is an attempt to have their cake and eat it too. Okay? Let me be clear what I mean by that. Um, I, and, and so you know, not every progressive Christian thinks the same way. It's not kind of one thing. It's, it's, it's not like that. Different progressive Christians would say different things, and I'm just going to have to kind of take the average or the middle or kind of the general things they believe to talk to you about because people are individuals, and they believe different things, and particularly among progressive Christians, okay? Um, progressive Christianity takes most of the difficult things that God has revealed to us through Scripture, and most of the difficult things that Jesus has commanded for us and replaces them with things that are easy to believe and still allow them to fit in with the world while calling themselves progressive Christians. They still get to have the name Christian, but they don't really have to do the things that God has really called us to do. So what they're really trying to do is have the acceptance, hey, I'm a Christian with God, but also have the acceptance over here with the world, hey, whatever you guys do is okay too. Kind of a mushy place to be. Talk about lukewarm. Progressive Christians claim to be real Christians, or the real Christians, right? They would claim to be the more enlightened Christians. But their beliefs, when it comes down to it, are not Christianity. And this is important because I'm not into heresy hunting. Some people are looking for anything. They'll find a denomination. They'll be like, oh, they don't believe you know, this about this little issue. A lot of things that are what I'd call left-hand issues. Um, it's not that they're not important. They're just not... They're, they're not necessary in order to be a Christian that you have to believe those things that people get real wrapped up in that. But I'm just talking about basic Christianity, the things that all believers at all times have believed. We all have to believe those things. We have some room for debate on some other things. I mean, I don't have any room for debate, but you know, other people do, right? No, I'm kidding. We have room for debate on other things. We, we can't be certain that we have interpreted every secondhand piece of doctrine well, but what we're certain of is that we've interpreted the fundamentals of the faith correctly, okay? So the question is, what can you take away from the fundamental beliefs of Christianity and still have it be Christianity? The answer is none. You can't take any of the fundamental beliefs of Christianity away and still have it be Christianity. It has become something else. How many wheels can you take away from a bicycle and still have it be a bicycle? None. If you take one wheel away, it's a unicycle, and you look like an idiot. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I just can't ride one, so I'm just saying that. 
if you take two wheels away from a bicycle, it's a paperweight, right? It's no longer a bicycle. You also can't add anything to a bicycle. You add a wheel, it's a tricycle. Another wheel, quadcycle, you know? The point is that the word bicycle has a definition, and here it is for you. A vehicle composed of two wheels held in the frame, one behind the other, propelled by pedals and steered with handlebars attached to the front wheel. Now, just like the word Christianity, the word bicycle has a definition. Has a definition. And there are certain things that you have to have to be a bicycle, and there are certain things that you have to believe to be a Christian. It's just the way it is. You may be something else, but you're not a Christian if you don't believe these things, okay? And it doesn't matter what you call yourself, okay? Baptist, Catholic, Wesleyan, a duck fan, <laughs> or a progressive Christian. I'll let you guess which one I think is worse. Um, anyway, no, I'm just kidding. doesn't matter what you call yourself. The bottom line is if you don't believe the things that define a Christian, you're not a Christian, regardless of the label you put on yourself. Okay? You can call a unicycle a bicycle, but it doesn't make it a bicycle. Still just the one wheel and the silly-looking person. Okay? That's what it is. So, in order to know what a Christian is, let's look at historical definitions of the minimum beliefs that a person needs to have to use the term Christian accurately. Now, I'm not going to go into all of them. Okay? I'm going to name some of them because we don't have all day. And because I'm kind of picking ones that maybe uh, the progressive Christian thing has the strongest issues with. So, number one. Number one. Christians believe the scriptures are God's word. Inspired by God and that the scriptures are to be followed. That's what Christians have always believed for 2,000 years. How do we know? Because Jesus said that he believed it. Because all the apostles said that they believed it. And all of the early church going out the stream that we can trace back to them. All the people on that stream believe that the scriptures are true that they're inspired by God, and that they should be followed. Now, are there streams that go out over here and over here? Yes, there are. Not Christian. Christians believe that thing, okay? That's one of the things they believe. This is what it says in 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. All scripture, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Can you be complete without it? No. Must be scripture to be complete. That's how it works. Number one. Number two. God is one God in three persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There are people, that, again, that's the line going all the way back to Jesus. There are people who have gone off of that line over here. No, there's... You know, really nine spirits of God. Or there's really, Jesus is really only this thing. Or the Father's only that. So all kinds of that kind of stuff. But if you want to be a Christian, according to the term and what that means, this is what we believe. Number three, Jesus Christ is God incarnate. God in flesh. All man and all God, born of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary. Can people believe something different than that? Yes. Are they Christians? No. And I'm not talking about, when I say Christians, I'm not talking about the word saved. We kind of evangelical types get real worked up with that word. That's not what I'm talking about right now. So don't, don't bring that into, I'm talking about the definition of what it means to be a Christian, the things that you believe, okay? So just keep that in mind if you're saying, well, I'm pretty sure this person's saved and they're a little off on that one. That's not where I'm going right, with this right now. I'm talking about what it means. It has to have a definition, right, that we can all agree to. Whether someone's saved or not is something only Jesus knows. He's the judge of that. What we can know is what the definition of a Christian is. So I'm working through this kind of like C.S. Lewis and mere Christianity, kind of saying, these are the things that we all believe and always have for thousands of years. All right. Born, uh, Jesus Christ is God incarnate, all man and all God, born of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary. That's, that's something we all believe as Christians all the way back. Number four, that Jesus Christ died for our sins, that his sacrifice paid the price so we could be reconciled to God. This is the gospel, right? It's fundamental. I'm not sure how you could even want to be called a Christian if you didn't believe this. 1 Corinthians 15, 3-4. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. Very simple. Jesus himself says this, Matthew 26, 28. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for the remission of sins. If you believe that Jesus' death was for some other thing or that he didn't rise from the dead, okay, you're not a Christian. You're something else. You're something else. All right. 
Number five, those who are saved will be with God forever, and those who will not follow Jesus will be separated from God forever in hell. That's not the most fun one of all the ones we have to talk about, but it's true, and it's what Christians have always believed. Are there Christians who believe something different than that? Yes. I'm not talking about what they're... I mean, are there people who believe something different than that? Yes. Am I saying that if they believe that they're not saved or whatever? I'm not getting into that. Again, please don't email me. So this, this people believe that. I'm just telling you, historical Christianity has to have a definition. Okay? This is something that clearly Jesus believed, as I will show you. And this is something that Christians have believed. Matthew 25, 44 through 46. Then they will also answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Revelation 21, 5 through 8. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. There's a lot more but I don't like reading about it. Now, all of us are in that list, but we've been saved. We've been saved. But those who want to remain in that list, they're going to hell. It's something that Christians believe. It's a very sobering thing that Christians believe. It's the type of thing that should motivate us to be very serious about going to these people in the world who we love, who Christ loved, who he died for, and trying to help them to know Jesus. Because this is what will happen if they do not. Number six, Jesus is the only way to be saved. Forgiven, justified, and free. Only those who call on the name of Jesus Christ will be saved. Okay, this is, people get worked up about this. It's called exclusivity. There's one way. It's through Jesus. Not five ways, not two ways, not a thousand ways. One way through Jesus, okay? John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Pretty simple. Romans 10, 8 through 11. But what does it say? The word is near you and in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus... And believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Acts 4, 10 through 12. Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. This is what Christians believe. It's kind of in the name. Christians. Right? We're not Christian everythings. We're not Christians plus. Christ is central to being a Christian and Christian belief. Number seven, that God created men and women in his own image and likeness. Men and women. Genesis 1.27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. This is fundamental. Now, there are a number of other things that Christians believe, okay? And again, for the sake of being really clear... I am talking about the things that define Christianity. If you're going to make a definition in the dictionary, you would say these things. If someone wants to veer off of that path, they can be called something, but it's not Christianity. It's not historic, orthodox Christianity. All right. So there's a number of other things, but if you get a chance, you can sign up for orientation class. I don't know when we're doing our next one, but probably pretty soon. It's 10 weeks. Uh, you get to have a, a lot of stuff that goes on there, including daily devotionals, video devotionals that you get, and a weekly teaching, and so on. And, and we go through a lot of the things. 
that Christians believe, kind of an overview of that. So if you get the chance and you haven't done that yet, you know, put it on your card or say something in the comments online and we'll get you hooked up for the next orientation class. Um, but I mentioned these ones to start because these are all things that some progressive Christians reject. All of them. Now, I've got to warn you that progressive Christianity can be very slippery. Okay? Uh, it's hard the way that some of these folks talk to kind of pin them down to what they really believe. They, they don't always like to define things well um, or well enough to have a reasoned discussion that kind of gets anywhere. And so you may find somebody who says, I'm a progressive Christian, and you say, well, do you believe this? And they go, well, what do you mean by that? You know, and they kind of get into this thing. So, so you know, you kind of got to nail people down. The problem is, is you can't communicate if there's not definitions. You say bicycle and I think unicycle, we're not communicating, okay? So it it's, can be hard with it, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the general the general thing, okay? Because there's a lot of mushy thinking in general in postmodernism and progressive Christianity, as with the other things that we've talked about, going to be talking about here, they all, that string goes through postmodernity, postmodernism, right? There is no truth. There are no big stories. We can't really know anything, blah, 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 all that. Except that there is no truth. We can know that. Anyway, they do that whole thing, right? So sometimes um, postmodern thinkers and particularly uh, progressive Christians sort of play it like, um, they don't want to deal with your logical arguments because they've sort of progressed past that. They're above them, right? They're above logic. And it's like, mm, I don't think that works that way. God's not above logic. In fact, I can't think of many more logical uh, books than the Bible. If you read the New Testament, it's like, point, point, therefore, conclusion. Point, point, therefore, conclusion. God, so apparently God's not above logic <laughs> since it flows from who he is. So when they've gotten outside of it and above it and they kind of, you know, there's butterflies flying around and they've got the whole thing going, look, it's just not reasonable. So if they're above logic, but you still want to talk to them and say, well, you'll have to just deal with me. I've got to deal with it logically. See if you can make it work. Um, but that's how some people are, okay? And I'm not saying that to make fun. Of them. I'm just telling you that's how some of them talk, okay? They'll say things like, um, I'm not a black and white thinker or an either or thinker. That's for less mature people. The problem is, is that they are right or they are wrong about that. Either they're right or they're wrong, right? So there's only a couple ways to think about things. There's no backing out of either or thinking. It's either true or it's false. No, it can be both. No, it can't. No, it can't. This is fundamental. I could teach this to a four-year-old. And I'm not saying they think like four-year-olds. You have to understand, very smart people have been, have been uh, kind of sucked into this kind of thinking. But the truth is, you got to kind of like clear the smoke out of the room and go, no, 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 no. Either or. True, false. If two things say, op if I say Jesus is, is God and you say Jesus is not God, we can't both be right. One, we've said things that contradict. The old law of non-contradiction. We've been through this before. Two things that say the opposite thing cannot be both true at the same time in the same way. Cannot happen, okay? Either or thinking. I want to, don't get me going on that. I'll get it. <laughs> Woo! All right. Now, um, they, they don't believe all the same things, okay? Um, so I'm going to help you understand the main themes of what progressive Christians say they believe. Uh, I'm going to give you these seven points that I just gave you, and I'm going to tell you kind of what they believe about them. Now, let me be clear about what's happening here. I'm going to go through this relatively quickly because it's already 11:19, And so I'm going to go point, point, point. And I'm going to give you the general thing that they believe about it. Next time, the plan is we're going to go through and I'm going to talk about sort of the spiritual drivers and the psychological slash sociological slash philosophical drivers that make people or that have led people into this type of thinking. Then we're going to go after that, Lord willing, that we get to there. The next thing would be, I'm actually going to go through these things, help you to understand the doctrines that we believe as Christians well, and then so that you're solid, so that when I show you what they believe, you can see why it's false. Okay? So that's going to take a while, but let's get through this part first, one thing at a time. First, Christians believe the scriptures are God's word inspired by God. The scriptures are to be followed. Many progressive Christians say they believe the Bible. They do. But they don't mean what you mean when you say you believe the Bible. It's not what they mean. What they mean is that they believe that the Bible is kind of worthwhile. There's some worthwhile things about it. They often reject certain books or certain authors. 
certain writings, just kind of the writings of men who were overly affected by their culture. And, and you know, if they, really, if they lived in 2021, they'd think about it like we do. That's kind of the way that they think about it, okay? Um, they often do not consider the Bible to be authoritative. Right, what we read about the Bible, that it's useful for doctrine, correction, reproof, etc., they would not agree with that. They would not agree with that. They would say it's not authoritative in their life, or if it is authoritative in their life, then it means what they think it means, which is usually somehow works out to um, be exactly what they want it to mean. Um, so that's what they believe about the Bible. Number two, God is one God in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The view that some progressive Christians have of Jesus would be closer to believing he's just a man and that God somehow was involved, but like God can be involved with you that way too. Uh, there's a lot of that going on. Not all of them. Some of them do believe Jesus was God. Um, but it makes the belief, they kind of make the belief that Jesus was God untenable in the way that they talk about Jesus. Some progressive Christians would get around this by taking on some sort of view um, of God that would be like pantheism or panentheism, which um, the beliefs of pantheism and panentheism are in order. Beliefs that God is everything, so that, you know, this is God and that's God. You're God and this one's God, that type of thing. Or panentheism, that God is sort of in everything. Everything's kind of a part of God and it's flowing in and out and that kind of a thing, right? Sort of this new age uh, mindset. These are both false beliefs. If you didn't know that, oh, glad you came today. These are both false beliefs. God created everything, and he is not his creation. He is not his creation. God is eternal. God created. He is not his creation, okay? He's everywhere. He is not everything, okay? All right. Number three, Jesus Christ is incarnate. Is God incarnate? All man and all God, born of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary. We already saw some progressive Christians do not believe that Jesus is God. Some also do not believe that Jesus was born of the Virgin. He wasn't born of Mary, um, some believe that he was born of a virgin, but don't think it's important at all. Like, you can believe it, not believe it. Like, that seems really important. That seems like an important point, because that doesn't happen every day, right? I've never seen it. Um, so that, that would be an issue for them. Again, Lord willing, we'll get into that later. Number four, that Jesus Christ died for our sins and his sacrifice paid the price so that we could be reconciled to God. This is an incredibly important place where they disagree with Christianity. Okay. Progressive Christians tend to reject the belief that Jesus died for our sins. Some of them would even reject the idea of sin. They would reject the idea of fallenness, of the fall, that we are sinful in general, that we're born into sin, and that, and that Christ saves us from it. Um, they would describe what happened on the cross. If we were to believe that it paid for our sins, then they would describe that as divine child abuse, which is just silliness, right? Christ was, is fully God and willingly went to the cross, following the will of his father. This is not divine child abuse. This was the atonement that has given you the opportunity to be saved. So as to the atonement, as to the idea that Christ died for our sins, they reject. Okay? They reject it. Number five, those who are saved will be with God forever, and those who will not follow Jesus will be separated from God forever in hell. Many progressive Christians believe in universalism or universal reconciliation. Okay? And that's the, those two are in order. Either all roads lead to heaven or Jesus is the way, but eventually all people will call on the name of Jesus and be saved. Some point in the future. Like, they'll die, but they'll still come back. Like, they, he will eventually reconcile all to himself or universalists, just all roads lead to heaven. You do you. Both of these views will believe, do believe that no one goes to hell. Everyone goes to heaven. That's, that's both of these views, okay? False. We'll talk about it, Lord willing, later. Number six, Jesus is the only way to be saved, forgiven, justified, and free. Only those who call in the name of Jesus Christ will be saved. Again, some progressive Christians are universalists, so they definitely don't believe that. They believe that always lead to heaven, right? Others who do believe Jesus is the only way uh, believe that it doesn't matter if you live and die without calling on Jesus because somehow he's going to reconcile everybody anyway at the end, okay? And, and I, there's a lot that goes into the mindset. This is particularly psychologically interesting, the reason that people pick up on this, and, and I can understand. I think all of us can understand why they want to get there, okay? But you'll also see how flawed it is. All right. Number seven, that God created men and women in his own image and likeness. Now, I don't think very, very many progressive Christians would immediately react negatively to this belief. If you said, did God create all men and women in his image and likeness? They'd probably say, yeah, sure. 
Um, but many progressive Christians tend to agree with the culture on things like the modern sexual ethic, LGBTQ, that type of thing, transgenderism, abortion. Um, not all of them, but many of them uh, tend to agree with the culture on all those issues. All of those issues are directly against God's design in creating men and women in his own image and likeness. They are sins against the created order. God has done things. He has told us how they're to go. We don't get to tell him. It doesn't work that way. And I have incredible, incredible empathy and sympathy for people who struggle with all kinds of stuff in this area, okay? Whether it's LGBTQ issues, you know, uh, and transgenderism, whether it's, uh, you know, abortion and situations people have been in like that, I have an incredible, incredible empathy. What I don't have is the ability to say it's okay just because I have that empathy, I do love people. There are people who I love. Some of, some of the humans that I love desperately are sexually immoral people. Okay? In every... I mean, there's a, a whole list I could give you. Okay? It's not just on the LGBTQ side or whatever. Uh, people who are male, female can be sexually immoral. I don't know if you knew that. Um, but... <laughs> a lot. Okay? I have incredible sympathy and empathy for folks who struggle with all kinds of things. But I cannot change creation because I'm not God. I cannot change what God has called us to do because I'm not God. And I do understand that some of us are called to different sacrifices than others. Now, we're going to get into all that, Lord willing, again. But that would be against their, their views on going with a culture, kind of with whatever. Some of them, surprisingly far down the road, where like even, even our culture wouldn't go as far as some of them do with kind of the sexual ethic that they're willing to accept. Because at some point, when you don't have a foundation for morality anymore in the scripture and in God, you sort of don't have a foundation to say anything is wrong, right? The word wrong starts to lose its meaning if there's no standard. So anyway, again, stay tuned. That's all we're going to cover on progressive Christianity today. Um, I have a lot more to say about these things, a lot more, as you can probably guess. And Lord willing, in the coming weeks, we're going to do that. Um, but you can see why progressive Christianity has some popularity, right? It's not hard to figure that out. Um, you get to agree with the world on pretty much everything and still claim Christianity. I can see why that's a popular viewpoint. It's a very human viewpoint, but it's a popular one. Here's an important point that I want you to think about, not just with progressive Christianity, but with any belief that's out there, okay? Any belief that the world celebrates is not the gospel. Any view that becomes popular in the fallen world is not the gospel. It's easy. Ask yourself this question. If I told the culture what I believed, would it upset them? If the answer is no, what you believe is not the gospel. The gospel is countercultural. Jesus is countercultural. Jesus shakes things, shakes things up. He comes against us. He comes against the things that we're building up in ourselves and the kinds of things that we believe and the kinds of things the world wants to believe. He comes against all of that and turns it upside down, even against the religious rulers who want to take religion and do crazy things with it. He comes against them even harder. If people are happy with your beliefs, they're not the gospel. They're not the gospel. And I'm talking about when I say people, I mean the world. The gospel offends it tells people they're sinners. It tells people they're lost and spiritually dead. Not a great way to start a conversation if you want to make people happy. It tells them God is in charge and they are not. It also tells them that they're loved by God. It also tells people that they can be saved, redeemed, forgiven, free. It tells people they're special. It gives them a purpose. It tells them they're made in the image and likeness of God and made for good works. Made for the kingdom. We all desire the kingdom. Why are you all watching, you know, Megan and the prince guy and whatever on TV and all that kind of... What, what, there's something in us, right? We desire... I mean, we're, this is like not even our country. And other people are like, oh, they're royals. What does that even mean? I don't care. But anyway, <laughs> we want a king because our heart longs for the king of kings. They do too. They do too. But they're offended when we tell them, if you're going to serve the king, you got to serve the king. If Jesus is going to be Lord, he's got to be Lord. God is in charge, and you're not. That's the gospel. It tells them that God loves them so much 
that while they were sinners, Christ died for them. And rose again, defeating hell and death and sin. It's pretty amazing, the gospel. It's beautiful, and it's glorious, and it's offensive. It's offensive. They killed him, remember? It was offensive. It was offensive, but he rose again, praise God. Progressive Christianity is not beautiful or glorious. As we will see, Lord willing, over the next few weeks, progressive Christianity elevates humans, elevates man, elevates the will of man, and devalues God. That's what it does. Ultimately, any false teaching is going to do something like this. It does not see God as a wonderful, powerful, all-loving, consuming fire, but as something else, something entirely different. Do not be persuaded. There is only one name under heaven by which men can be saved. Let's pray. Father, I just ask that you would show us your truth, the only truth that is truth, that you would pull us away from false teachers. Lord, I pray for those who aren't in you, who aren't following you, who don't know you, that you might draw them. The Holy Spirit might draw them. Father, that you might bring them to the foot of the cross, that they may know the resurrected Savior. Jesus, I just pray that you would so many to yourself. You have no desire that any should perish. We have no desire that any should perish. We don't want to see anyone going to hell. We don't want to see anyone dealing with that. We want to see people turn to you. God, would you give us a heart to pray for that each day this week? That we would see people who don't know you come to know you that we would see those who are lost come to be found, that through this series, Lord, that instead of just figuring out who's right and who's wrong, that instead we would just glorify you in your truth and find ways, yes, to protect ourselves and to protect the gospel, but Lord, that you might give us inroads, that those who are being pulled away from you and from what Christianity is and what being a Christ follower means, that we could draw them back, before they go off into nonsense and lead others that same way, blind leading blind and both falling into a pit. Lord, give us wisdom. Let us work hard. Jesus, I love you. Thank you for my salvation. God, thank you for saving me, the chief of sinners. You are so good. Be with each of us today and this week.